the very latest from our local ag industry. The Farming Show with Dylan Honkoop is next on KGMI News Talk 790, 96.5 FM and KGMI.com. Now is the time to upgrade your mattress and save big during DeWard & Bodie's 76th anniversary sale. Score deep discounts on floor models and closeout mattress savings up to 50% off. Plus, pillows, sheets, boxes, and bases are all on sale. DeWard & Bodie stocks the largest inventory of mattresses from Tempur-Pedic, Stearns & Foster, and Sealy. Right now, get the mattress of your dreams with absolutely no money down and no interest for up to 72 months on select purchases. Take in-stock mattresses home with you today or have their delivery professionals deliver it, set it up, and even haul away and recycle your old mattress for you. DeWard and Bodie will price match any local competitor on in-stock items, which means they guarantee the lowest price available. That's why Whatcom, Skagit, and Island County residents get their mattresses at DeWard and Bodie. For 76 years, they've had the best prices, best selection, and best service. Shop DeWard and Bodie's 76th anniversary savings at the Bellingham Mattress Showroom on Meridian next to Marshalls. Financing OAC offer qualifications apply. My first lesson in hard work came from my dad. A union pipe fitter, he started his own business out of our garage when I was five years old. He didn't go to a four-year college, but was able to support his family because he worked hard and because he had a great education through an apprenticeship. I'm Joe Timmons, and I'm running for the legislature because I believe everyone deserves the opportunity to succeed in our community. Before students leave high school, they should have enough career and technical education to access living wage jobs without having to go to a four-year college. Costs are rising and families are struggling to afford food, gas, and housing. My own family's rent went up 35% last year, right here in Whatcom County. Healthcare costs are also way too high. That's why I want to work with both parties to lower costs for Washington families, especially those high prices for prescription drugs. I'm the only pro-choice candidate in this race, and I am proud to be endorsed by Planned Parenthood. Women, not politicians, should make their own healthcare decisions. I'm Joe Timmons, and I ask for your vote. Paid for by Vote Joe Timmons Democrat. A top national expert is taking a look at the water crisis here in Whatcom County. And she's out with at least some initial findings that show what we have here between not enough water in the late summer and too much water in the winter, the fall, the winter, you know, the flooding, all these things, plus all of our water rights confusion, uh, this is all solvable. And there is a process to do this. And we should not, after reading what she has to say in her memo on this, we should not be thinking that we're, we have to reinvent the wheel here. We have to do this alone. This has been done in many other parts of the country. She's sharing examples of other places where they've solved water crises like the one we have here in Whatcom County in the Nooksack River Basin. This is good news. This is light at the end of the tunnel. But will we have the wherewithal to actually go forward with us? Welcome back to The Farming Show. I'm Dylan Honkoop. Glad to be here with you on your Saturday morning. Also in studio with me this morning is Fred Lickle, the executive director of Whatcom Family Farmers. I work for Whatcom Family Farmers as well, full disclosure. And Fred and I work a lot on these issues, and he has uh, much more history in all of it. Uh, than I, and so I'm glad to have him here along. The headline in uh, the Linden Tribune 
um, of late is that, uh, you know, a top expert has been uh, working with the local farming community on this situation. Who are we talking about? Her name is Ramsey Kropp. We've had her here on the program in the past ahead of uh, uh, when she joined us for an event to, to get to know us and see what's going on out here and share some of the initial things that she knows about how to solve water crises and water rights issues. Uh, of course, the state has a certain plan that we have highlighted time and again here about just how damaging the state's plan is. Hers is entirely different in, in a lot of ways than that. It's like what we've been talking about, but what she's explaining gives us a whole lot more detail as to how this could actually work. I think a lot of people have been thinking, Fred, that farmers are just, you know, grasping at straws saying, well, they don't want this thing, you know, this lawsuit that the state has planned for water rights in Whatcom County. And so they've been saying, oh, we need to collaborate as kind of some sort of red herring or, or, or something. Yes. Or, or it, it's like, come on, that's not really going to work. That's not going to bring us certainty. That's not going to solve the issue. The state has said, well, the only way to solve the issue is is through their path. And what, what we're discovering here is not only is there an alternative, but the alternative is far superior to Absolutely. what, the, what the, the, the state is planning. So talk about um, what, uh, and again, Ramsey Croft that we're talking about, she, she was a former assistant solicitor with the U.S. Department of the Interior. Yep. She has dealt with several of these kinds of issues in basins across the western United States. Exactly. This isn't somebody who always oh, some you know, prejudicial, biased, you know, oh, she's following the farmers or anti-adjudication, and that's all what this is about. No, um, we've been saying all along adjudication would be a real disaster for a lot of people, not mm -hmm. just for farms. It doesn't solve anything. Well, we went out and looked and talked to a number of people, including herself, that is, are people who said there are solutions out there. There are very good solutions out there. And let's take a look at what some of those are. And, and it was really encouraging to hear from her that, yes, yes, there are other basins, um, including it's even preferred. I mean, it's been preferred by the... Uh, I believe it's a Western States coalition of, of mm -hmm. which includes all the governments of of the you know in the West that deal with water issues and the others to say yeah. yeah to the state governments to say let's work on what solutions look like let's work together and find collaborative solutions. Well, I I think the the process here was the state said oh we're going to go ahead with this lawsuit. Farmer said no this is a terrible idea this is going to destroy us and it's going to hurt fish it's going to hurt communities it's not going to solve the big problems that we have with flooding etc cetera, etc cetera. right and then the rebuttal was well but we got to do this and, was... and then and then our response was no there is another way it's collaboration and then the response was to that wow we don't want some kumbaya feel good you know we need something that's legal um, that actually solves these problems. I think the perception was we're, we're talking about collaboration and negotiation, working together as a community rather than fighting each other in Correct. court. I think that that was seen as, oh, kind of a wimpy way out or it wasn't really solid. It didn't really... in. You know, I would say the argument in, instead, Dylan, was that we've tried that before. You know, it, they've been too. trying. They've yeah. been trying for thirty years. It didn't work, so we just have to go to the legal solution. But, but the reality is, I would say, you know, when you look at it, that there weren't those tools in place. They hadn't seen these things been done before. Now you look back in the history of you know throughout the United States and in places like in Idaho and in Colorado and in Wyoming and New Mexico and others, where they have these basins where they have actually work together 
and led to collaborative solutions that have been positive for everybody that's been involved in it and have solved many issues. And in so doing, they actually get a, a, a tremendous amount of funding, um, bipartisan funding from the Congress. Uh, it, it has become a real win-win. And, you know, as I was saying before, Ramsey Croft is somebody who, who isn't just a, you know, a biased lawyer to one side. She's somebody who worked in the Department of Interior for quite a number of years working on these solutions and is now oftentimes a mediator in these things. And she has helped us come forward with, look, folks, there are solutions if we sit down. But now we really have to actually get to the point of sitting down and discussing them. And that's been the challenge, starting with the Department of Ecology. This is the Farming Show, by the way. Dylan Honkoop here on KGMI. Fred Lickle with Whatcom Family Farmers is also with us here in studio this morning, uh, continuing the the ongoing long-term conversation about solving our water crisis here in the Nooksack River Basin, uh, not just making sure, I mean, we need to make sure there's enough water in the stream for fish. We need to make sure there's enough for our cities and people and humans and also for local agri- food and agriculture to continue to happen. And we also need to make sure there's not too much water to the point where we have a disaster like we did still less than a year ago. Um, And I think that's, you know, we pointed out how the state's plan doesn't address all those issues. Here is a pattern, a a process that does address those issues, allows room for that. And here we have someone, again, you you read what, what Ramsey has to say, and she shares examples of multiple other basins where this has happened. She's also sharing examples of Places where they went forward with more of the process that our state wants here for the Nooksack Basin, just a straight lawsuit. And those generally have not worked out. That is correct. It's it, They don't have any examples of where it has worked without a collaborative solution. I mean, even here in Washington State, right, we've talked about before with the Yakima yeah. situation, it took 30 years of fighting before they got to saying, hey, look, let's have a solution. And that's been the big thing that we have been promoting here is we need that solution put in place. If you look at some of the fallacies that are, are connected with those who have said, oh, the adjudication absolutely has to, you know, has to yeah. happen, that whole right. idea of, well, you can't, even, you can't even start collaborating until that lawsuit, the adjudication, which is a lawsuit, happens. We found that that is factually not true. Yeah. Um, and even if you do have an adjudication, um, it works way better when you have when it is guided by a collaborative process where the settlement lays right. down what's going to happen instead of rather it just than being, starting in the court and being guided directed by a judge and lawyers. Exactly. So Ugh. yeah, once again, we it, it, there isn't any proof uh, on the other side of it that an adjudication alone will do the job. But that gets at another myth right there in what you say. Is, is, is there's a myth that's been promulgated by those supporting this state adjudication, state lawsuit called adjudication, that, well, that's the only way to get legal certainty. We have to go to the courts. We have to get legal certainty. So we have to go down this route. What you're talking about with collaboration will never get us anything solid and enforceable. Well, that is correct. Um, Yeah, they want to say that adjudication is the only way to get it to legally enforceable. And I want to make sure that we say 
it's not as if you don't need something to legally bind it. I, I think it's yeah, important to exactly. point out that that the water rights, for instance, for salmon, have never been quantified. And we're not against saying, look, we need to have a certain amount of water in the stream for salmon. Yes. I don't think there's been any farmer who said that. We would love to see certainty for them as well as for us. It's just that the process that has been put forward falsely by ecology in the past of you have to do this adjudication, and this is the only way yeah. to do it. We have, we've not only been saying it wasn't true, but now we've factually have approved that it, in fact, isn't true. So Yeah, it's this concept that a collaborative approach that results in building trust, relationships, negotiating, bringing everyone's concerns to the table, figuring things out, that that process doesn't somehow ultimately lead to a legal agreement and legal certainty and something that's enforceable is false because it does lead to that. And in fact, it's more likely to achieve something that can be legally agreed upon than something that starts in the courtroom. Right. And don't we all want to get to a spot where we say, you know, as we have said in this program, we all know, especially here in the Pacific Northwest, that we have, it's not, it's not that we don't have the amount of water that we need. My Mm -hmm. goodness, we have more than enough water. Mm -hmm. That's not the issue. And, you know, Ramsey and others who have come in here and told us of, I would say they've almost drooled over the resources that we have because they're used to, for for those who've been out there, have heard about the horror stories in the Colorado River Basin and in other basins in the desert. Yeah. And yeah, in California as well, where there just isn't enough water and they're trying to figure out how to portion that best. That's not our issue here. The issue is we, you know, we have, we have the, the water. We've got to manage it. Yes, we just need to manage it. And a collaborative process is what's going to get you there. An adjudication by itself does not get there. And we've even had the Department of Ecology admit as much to that. So we're not going to get there until we start talking about what those solutions are. So why don't we do that? Why aren't people collaborating? And, I, you know, I say that as a rhetorical question because there are plenty of reasons, I suppose. But I, I, I think some who, who have stood in opposition to this need to give this a good long think Absolutely. And, and say, okay, so why not go about this the way that's been proven to work many, many times around the country rather than pursue a process that has been proven not to work that's antiquated, that ends up creating more problems and more division, it just doesn't make sense. And so here we have something. We have a, a, a program, a plan. It, it's not specific to our basin per se. Every situation has particulars that are different, but it's a concept that can work here, And there as, are, the, as this expert, Ramsey Krupp, has shown. Yes, and there are probably two parts to your question of why hasn't it worked here. As I mentioned before, the first is, there were a couple efforts that tried and 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 failed. Um, I, I would say, you know, without getting into the details of those, it looks like they just didn't have the tools. Some of it was they just didn't have the tools in place uh, and or the passion to figure out, you know, you, you run into a block, well, what do we do here? And it was just easier to back away. I, I well, think that's takes, a big part. It takes leadership to say, right. stick your neck out and say, we're going to take initiative here and do something rather than always trying to just cover your butt and constantly study and somehow wish that someday the studies will fully back you up so then you won't have to take any risk in moving forward and saying this is going to be the solution. I think that's the case in a lot of government, and that's certainly the case here. And I think that's still the case right now with kind of the deadlock on getting anywhere on this issue, both on the water.
water supply side and the flooding issues that yeah that let's, work is let's, let's study stalled it. out yeah let 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 let's study it we need to study it more to make to re- achieve a certainty and you know the reality is with leadership you're never going to re- re- you know achieve one hundred percent certainty you got to take some, a risk at some point you got to take Colin Powell go Colin Powell right this yeah, the 70, 40, 40 rule. yeah yeah if yeah. you don't have quite forty below forty percent of the information you need it's too early to act. Right. If you have over seventy percent of the information that you need, it's and time. aren't and and you aren't acting, you're in the wrong. Yeah, it's time to go. So these yeah. folks that want one hundred percent of the information, which we're, ne- we're never going to get there. We're going to get there, yeah. and it's inappropriate to do that. But and and when you get to that point of that seventy percent, you're going to be able to make some adjustments on the fly. The key is let's get started. Let's get the process going. And I think the second thing that's key there is that ecology is the one that decided to push that adjudication was the only answer. Sometime in the last couple of years, they had some key people who decided, yeah, this is just this is the only solution. And so when they pushed at that as the only solution, it created for others this whole idea of, well, that must be the only solution because the other things didn't mm-hmm. work in the past. So let's go that way. But the reality is, if you look at history, the answer that Ramsey has put together here is the answer. This is where we will get together. This is where we will solve our issues. Some people listening right now are probably saying, what about flood stuff? What about, you know, fixing the river? And by the way, our guest right now is Fred Lickle, uh, executive director of Whatcom Family Farmers. I work with him at Whatcom Family Farmers. I'm Dylan Honkoop. Here on the Farming Show on KGMI, the reality that we're seeing here with what this national expert has laid out as, as the possible path forward to actually solve the water crisis in Whatcom County is uh, of the two options, if you want to compare that to just the pure court process. That, that the state wants. This other option that involves collaboration and negotiation is the only one that can address and allow some of those fixes to go forward. Absolutely. Because I mean, we've talked in the past, we need to pursue all possible options as far as fixing the river, you know, whether it's modifying the channel, improving it, uh, removing sediment. Uh, we need to protect our communities in a lot of other ways as well with flooding. Uh, farmland can be part of that, you know, overall fix um, to help with that. Um, and water storage being something that can not only help us greatly reduce the risk of a flooding disaster like we saw, but also help with the other side of the twin problems of too much and then too little water. Right, the low flow, the low flow issues. But, right. but you can't do any of that if you're locked in a court-led pro- lawsuit from the state. You Which can deal with that and you can get money for that from the feds and other sources if you're involved in a negotiation process a, a negotiated indian water rights settlement is what these right, are that, known that's, as that's that's they're known, they're known as indian water rights settlements and you're exactly right dylan there's it, it is frustrating being involved in a lot of these discussions because it does get bogged down in in those minute details and everybody going into their corner um, and, you know, the river, as we talked about, which a lot of people are pretty passionate about after last year's flood, is a perfect example of that. Um, you know, can we go to the extreme of just completely dredging the river? Probably not. Um, it would it would impair salmon if we were to just do a complete dredging. That, 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 and, and but I there are possibilities as far as improving the channel. Yes, there are possibilities of improving the channel if we're talking together and if we're discussing how can we – 
you know, trade in this area and what do you need? And we need this over here. And, and, and right now those discussions are just kind of nibbling around the edges, if at all. And it's when we're working together and we're discussing that. And then we go to those who have the funding, like, like there is a tremendous amount of funding available right now at the federal government level. If they hear us having those discussions, we're a lot more likely to be funded than if we're just locked in a, in a litig- litigatory process. That's what needs to change. And we need our state and local leadership to step up and say, this is what we want because this is going to get us to where we need to be. Well, and what Ramsey Krupp is telling us, as well as like Dan Keppen with the Family Farm Alliance and others, they're saying, look, nationally, the recent recently enacted infrastructure bill has potentially billions, yes. with a B, billions of dollars for the kinds of infrastructure improvements we need. Oh, yes. Not that, that we would necessarily get all, what is it, like $9 billion or something? It's not like we're going to need or get all of that, but if we can get part, because a lot of, I mean, we talk about some of these big fixes that are needed for the river and people, I think in some ways it's kind of overwhelming. Like, how would we ever pay for that? Well, it's not outside the realm of possibility. But no. if we're locked in a court battle and, and the courts are leading this process rather than the community via collaboration, we won't qualify all, for any of that money. And all that funding will go, including at the state, federal level, whatever, to you know going through the court process and paying lawyers a whole bunch of money to represent you know tribal and other interests instead yeah. of sitting down and saying, what is our solution? So we really need to be pushing that. This is something that the community needs to get on, get on board with because this this has the potential to provide more. I just heard of another one today that even in the new inflation was it reduction act that came mm-hmm. through, I, mm-hmm. I just saw this morning that there's e, there's even funding for this sort of stuff available through that. Yeah. So again, I, yeah. almost all of that federal funding, if you're just locked in an adversarial court led process, and there aren't collaborative talks happening, you pretty much can't qualify to get any of that money. No, no, because uh, nobody's decided where the money can go yet. And that's what we need. I mean, after the disaster last November, and I think even to this day, different groups are saying, you know, where's the funding? Let's get some fixes going. Let's, you know, improve our infrastructure here. Let's never have a disaster. It's going to flood again, but let's never have a disaster like we had again. Exactly. And, And yet at the same time, the state is pushing a process that could potentially disqualify us in a lot of ways for almost all of the major, like the big time funding that we need to really do that. Yes. It's exactly very right. frustrating. Fred Lickle has been with us here on The Farming Show. He's executive director of Whatcom Family Farmers. I'm Dylan Honkoop. Um, there are solutions. There is hope here. Will people embrace it and go embrace it and go with the tried and true process versus something that the state wants that has never really worked out for anybody anywhere, at least in the Western United States. That's the question right now. And also, will people continue to be suckered by these myths that opponents of this process continue to spread, that it won't achieve legal certainty, that it won't solve the problems, and it's not an actual solution? Absolutely not true. Uh, We're out of time. Fred, thank you for being here. Thank you for having me, Dylan. And we're going to continue to cover this and try to get as much detail going as possible. What can we get to work on as soon as possible to fix this water crisis here? State Representative Alicia Rule doesn't believe that one party or the other has all the answers. She knows that we need to work together to move our community forward. 
Alicia's worked hard to create opportunity for people who didn't go to college by expanding career and technical education in high schools. She's also working to restart Intelco. When it reopens, that means 700 union jobs back in Ferndale. Alicia Rule is the only pro-choice candidate in the race. She's endorsed by Planned Parenthood and Pro-Choice Washington. Alicia Rule has earned the support of law enforcement. She's earned the trust of the Fraternal Order of Police and the Bellingham-Wacom County Firefighters Retired Bellingham Police Chief Flo Simon said, Alicia Rule said no to defund the police, increased pay for the first responders, and fought to criminalize non-medical use of fentanyl. She's been a fantastic state representative. I'm State Representative Alicia Rule. I hope that I can earn your vote. Paid for by Vote Alicia Rule, Democrat. Now you can mow, dig, grade, haul, and more with the perfect solution for your property, a Branson tractor. Save your back and your wallet with one of our compact but powerful tractors here at Farmers Equipment Company. Stop by and choose from our full line of Bransons to take on your toughest tasks. With tractors from 19 to 55 horsepower, we have a Branson compact or utility tractor that is perfect for you. Want to use a rotary cutter to tame that tall brush on your property? You can do that. What about snagging a scoop from that pile of gravel to maintain your driveway free of potholes? You can do that too. Branson's six-year warranty along with our factory trained technicians will make sure your new tractor is always running great. Get the tractor you want and the peace of mind you need at Farmers Equipment Company. To learn more, visit us online at FarmersEquip.com or stop by our locations in Linden or Burlington today. Farmers Equipment Company, serving the Pacific Northwest for over 86 years. My name is Marcus Virta, and I manage a small business here in Whatcom County called Western Solar. Every day I see firsthand the impact good jobs have on the lives of people. Sharon Shoemake is an economist and a mom who brings practical, real-life experience to the state Senate. I became an economist to help people. Now I'm running for state Senate to fix our broken housing market, create jobs, lower taxes on working people, and build an economy that works for everyone. Paid for by People for Sharon, Democrat. The latest local news and important topics of the day from the West Mechanical Studio. A properly operating furnace will guarantee that you stay comfortable as the seasons change. Contact West Mechanical Heating, Air Conditioning, and Electric for a system inspection today at westmechanical.net. Get the latest news and information 24-7 with KGMI News Talk 790, 96.5 FM in Bellingham and KGMI.com. The opinions expressed on this program are not necessarily those of KGMI or the Cascade Radio Group. We talk about farming on land a lot here on The Farming Show. Welcome back on your Saturday morning. Dylan Honkoop with you here on KGMI. What we don't talk about nearly enough is the farming that doesn't happen on land that happens in the water. And uh, particularly, I, I know where you're going. If you're, you're from Whatcom County, you're probably thinking of Drayton Harbor. And that's where we are this morning at the Drayton Harbor Oyster Company, looking out over their farmland, essentially, I guess is what it is. Uh, we've got Mark Seymour and Kat Guerra here, both with the farm. Uh, Mark, your dad was involved with starting this, and you've been involved with it since almost the beginning. 
beginning kind of thing. Yeah, there's a there's a picture on the wall behind me. I'm six years old walking around <laughs> eelgrass beds out in Drayton Harbor. Um, nice. We don't know how we got here, other than like this. You know, my dad had the history in it um, back in the '80s. Um, you know, I moved back to town from California, fish biologist background as well, and uh, started this up. Just I wanted to work with my old man. Wanted to work for myself. Didn't know what that meant. Didn't yeah. know what went into it, other than a lot of hard work. And man, to see where we are right now, it's just it's we do pinch ourselves. Cat reminds me all the time about how special <laughs> this is. I kind of lose sight of it just because it's you know yeah you work a lot um, and you tend to lose sight of it. But yeah, we've created something really special up here. So you're farming oysters. Correct. How does that work? Just in a total nutshell, super simple for not smart, not Mm -hmm. fishing people Mm -hmm. like me. How does it work? Yeah, the easiest way to break down oyster farming is that you start with a very small animal, um, you know, either a free swimming animal, basically, mm-hmm. becomes two millimeters in the matter of weeks, becomes half inch in the matter of months, becomes um, market ready to sell in about a year and a half if mm-hmm. we really do it right. We're handling them, you know, each individual oyster is getting handled about once every three months. Um, we don't have fences to keep them in. We don't have to water them. We don't have to so they feed just them. Sit on the bottom kind of thing? Yeah, it's, it's a very labor intensive industry. Um, yeah. They, some do sit on the bottom, but we tend to grow more of like, a, I compare it to craft brew. You know, it's, it's mm. much more hands-on, yeah. um, smaller scale, labor-intensive. But bottom line is it's you have an animal in this bay that starts as, you know, microscopic in a year and a half if you do it right. Yep. Um, you end up with this awesome product, and it's a living animal that's really a, a huge um, net environmental positive out there. It's cleaning the bay. It's mm. creating habitat. Um, and then it goes into the... You know, when you eat this thing, it's it's a huge protein source as well. So it's really right. neat to to be able to create something out of nothing. You know, if 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 we take care of the bay, if we take care of the oysters, yeah. you really create something out of nothing, and it's just mind blowing to watch back, like stand back and watch that happen. Yeah. Well, the growth that you guys have seen in recent years, and just how the public has embraced what's going on here. I, I want to talk about Oyster Fest yeah. that you guys just had last yeah. weekend. I know I wanted to get you guys on the show before Oyster Fest to promote it. It sounds like it didn't need to because the hordes of people came yeah, out and you know, guys were so cat, busy. You're gosh, like, we yeah. don't even have time to, to chat about this at a time. We're just it, going it was, 24-7. Man, Oyster Fest was something. It was, uh, I think I came up with <laughs> a, a bit of a, a layout really late in the morning. I was in here shucking oysters till I think 2 a.m. the day before. Wow. Um, Kat and I were down here bright and early the next day setting up. And I think we caught eyes a couple times as we watched watched this line develop and it was like, like what what is, what is this um, i saw people posting about it on social media yeah. you know not any just general public that showed up here and i'm like yeah that looks like it's going pretty well <laughs> it drew a lot of people to town you know i think her and i both were really um we had a lot of folks work we had a lot of volunteers um we i had my my eyes down just shucking oysters yeah. the whole time i know she was dealing with customers a lot but overall i mean i went back and i've watched a lot of videos and i just see a, i've you know keep on telling cat i'm like man i'm just counting smiles like everybody is smiling and i, I think it's celebrating what we know we have here in blaine which is something yeah. really special and unique um, it's celebrating a product that, that has a story behind it. This is a family-run business, which is another component that I think people really grasp onto. Yeah. Um, the, the coolest compliment I got that day was um, that people think it's, you know, this business and this event went so well because I do have a big family behind me. But for, for some reason, we're able to make folks feel like they're a part of the family, you know. Mm. And um, my dad, my old man, like he's, he's a very personable guy that yeah. loves to teach and talk. And I think I'm the same way. Kat's the same way. Um, so overall... 
Like in your well, opinion. yeah, and that's what I want to get to is because Cat, you can brag this up a little bit better because Mark, uh, you and your dad, you know, you've built a lot of this from the ground up, so it could be kind of hard. Like you said, even your own perspective, you're just used to it. Yeah, she's seen this since gosh, two thousand. 17, Four I think. and a half, five years now. So you come in, but yeah. from a little bit more of an outside perspective as you join and, you know, work with everything here. Yeah. Talk about what's so special here that, that maybe they can't even see themselves because they've got their head, you know, nose to the grind, yeah. so to speak. I think that it happens so organically. Um, and even though Mark and Steve both sort of recognize, like, the value and the specialness um, of what they've built and the community that they're in, that... Um, it, the outside perspective is um, this doesn't really happen anywhere else. Like maybe it's just like looking at your face every day and you don't see yourself getting older and you think that you still look the same. But then, <laughs> yeah. you know, as an outside person coming in, you can sort of see that, you know, this is this is huge. This is special. It requires um, attention and yeah. investment. And in a way, I think that Mark and Steve used to be able to focus their attention and investment on sustainability and water quality. You're almost a, like you are two fisheries biologists that now have a restaurant and a farm and hordes <laughs> of employees and interviews and emails and um, yeah, all the things that I'm not good at. What are we doing tomorrow? <laughs> a hearing <laughs> for the array, um, you know, and that is you now have a fully going concern that requires your attention to build that. Um, and what actually brought the business to this place is the investment, um, you know, of Steve and Jeff Menzies and Mark and yeah. the family. You know, the last 30 years has has had a different, I would say a different focus, but there's been, we've had more resources focused on that because this, this restaurant and this farm didn't yeah. exist at the capacity that it currently exists at. So I've come in as sort of extra bandwidth for the, the community outreach and sustainability component. Um, so Mark and Steve and I work together to sort of create these visions. Um, but but you, my you, focus is not on the restaurant. Yeah. My focus is really on farm sustainability, community yeah. watershed, and bringing all these things together. And you're from Canada, and that's your background is as a biologist as well. I, yeah, I'm a, I'm a terrestrial biologist, so I focus mostly on plants and soils, horticulture. Um, and because oysters are a sessile creature... Um, there are uh, like a completely mirrors uh, growing oysters mm-hmm. almost completely mirrors um, the the technical steps um, for a lot of what I have done. I've worked yeah. in I work in reclamation primarily land reclamation, but also watercourse reclamation. Uh, we work with a lot of communities on um, you know how they would like to see their their land restored and and what we need to be able to do that and and bringing in community resources to help support that so that there's ownership yeah. for that um, end result. And and I I see that Blaine really values their their watershed, mm-hmm. um, the habitat, the wildlife habitat, the fisheries, aquaculture. Um, but sometimes when we leave those environments, we don't understand that some of the activities or actions that we um, do in our own lives can have negative impacts on those things that we value outside of that. Right, so it's sure. trying to make those connections. And I don't really believe in sort of, you know, winners and losers. I think that we can all sort of get what we want. I like this non-zero-sum game theory where, like, yeah. nobody really has to give up anything. We just sort of have to understand the connections. Um, and once we do that, we can make different choices. Yeah, it's it's 
collaborating, mm-hmm. you know, it's collaboration as an entire community to make something happen. You know, that's, that's not entirely untrue for a farmer. I mean, I, there's a more direct, immediate impact mm-hmm. when you're farming with the water in yeah. the in Drayton Harbor here. If somebody screws up, up yeah. in the watershed, yeah. you, you're going to, you're going to feel it right away. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If non- a farmer, if a farmer is applying manure at the wrong time or too much or in the wrong way, not following their nutrient management plan, boom, you are, you have a big problem here quickly, but on land really, even though the impact may not be as immediate or as obvious, mm-hmm. there are so many of those connections too, between communities and different land uses and urban mm-hmm. areas and, you it's know, stewarding very, our watersheds. Yeah. We're all in this together. Yeah, it's a very fluid environment and to be able to sort of manage and track and trace, it's, it's not really doable. So we sort of all have to um, do our part because we're not necessarily going to be able to track, you know, right now we're seeing elevated um, fecal coliforms in the, in the harbor, but we don't really know why that is. They could be coming from many different sources. Right. So, um, you know, trying to sort of increase or improve the water quality of the bay without necessarily pointing fingers right. is really, really important because well, we don't fight. know why. Yeah. Like, we don't <clears throat> want to fight because we all really want yeah. good water quality. We yeah. want, you know, everyone to succeed in what they're investing in. We don't want to hold anyone back. Um, but we can have seen um, that you know, this industry really also supports the community as well. Yeah. It's, it's so critical, though, to have, like, so everything that she's saying there, you know, um, my dad might have spoken about this, too, but all of a sudden, we're able to deal with, engage, rather, <clears throat> with such a broad customer base from, you know, a ton of the locals, right? Like, this is yeah. a local hangout spot. People come down yeah. here on any sunny day, and, and you're watching, you're meeting your neighbors, you know, over beers and oysters. Yeah. So, um, we have the ability to reach so many folks within our community, like city council comes down here, you right. know, and sits down with us <laughs> and talks, um, and it's because we've created this this place to celebrate yeah. this product right mm-hmm. so without without the restaurant component how do, how do you even go about doing that that, my that dad's, is an excellent my point. dad's stories are you know back in the day it was you'd invite people throughout the community to you know i went to one when i was younger it was you know, grilling oysters in a parking lot of a church somewhere you know and we're reaching right. out to all the local community we got like six people yeah. right like how many people do we deal with on a exciting. saturday now thousands so uh, and if we have the ability which gets harder and harder as we get busier and busier but if we have the ability for you know to take me off of the shucking knife if you will or, or have cat <laughs> in here not dealing with other other problems but being able to engage with our customers and man like you sit down with folks and you, you tell them about what we do and, and the problems and you have their ear in a heartbeat again because they've got this product in front of them that they don't want to lose and all of a sudden yeah. they realize like, oh shoot, there's there's a lot of issues that oyster yeah. farming has to deal with and it's really cool to get people to realize that um, because then they go and talk about it. They're your allies. They're telling you if they see their neighbors doing something sketchy up right. on the creek. Right. You know, I've had that happen. Um, because they care They and yeah. it's not just a political mm-hmm. point. It's yeah. like it's food, yeah. families, community. Mm-hmm. By the way, this is the farming show. Dylan Honkoop here on KGMI. We're talking about farming oysters here at the Drayton Harper Oyster Company. We've been talking with Kat Guerra, Mark Seymour, uh, who are with me right now. That retail element, it, it's one of these bootstrap problems in a way because you have to have the farm, you have to have that behind you to do the retail, you know, direct consumer, whatever it is, part. 
part, but doing that makes the other part go in some ways too. Not just moving product, but making the community understand what you're up to, supporting what you're doing rather than potentially opposing what you're doing. We see farms doing that too as they go direct to consumer and and have you know the cheese shops that we have here, the berry farms that do. That is such an important thing they've found to build that community. Not everybody can do that, though. And like you said, you just want to be the biologist and the farmer, really, in a lot of ways, growing the product. But then you've got this whole retail side to manage. Who's going to do that? And it almost yeah. becomes too much. It's like, yeah, but it, it, <clears throat> I mean, all of us that, you, that you're speaking to about this just have a I'm gonna get up and you, you wake up in the morning, you go. I yeah, mean, it's just built on passion. <laughs> like, you know, Kat's been involved for X amount of years and gosh, her passion probably probably exceeds mine sometimes as I get exhausted. So yep. we can kind of help. She helps me out a ton to bring me back up when I'm low and vice versa, right? Because this is such an exciting thing that we have. <clears throat> but yeah, it's a ton of work. Um, farming's a ton yeah. of work. Farming is a ton of work. Yep. And then all of a sudden you, you plug in the, the the people part up here, you know, and deal with thousands of people. And luckily for me, I can sometimes disappear back to the water by myself <laughs> right. and just kind of chill out and get stuff done. But well, that's where a lot of people in farming, whether it's on the water or yeah. on land, are like, I just can't deal with that. Yeah. And I understand that because you know a lot of farmers like to be out growing their crop whatever that might be or their animals they don't and they tend to be introverts more often they just want to leave me alone and i'll do my thing yet this like public element this retail element is so important to being a part of the community that's that can be a you know i know some farms people will criticize well why don't you you know why 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 aren't you selling this well there's all these rules and i don't really know how to deal with all that i don't have more employees and get licenses and all. all that. Um, I mean, you guys have put in a huge amount of effort to make this happen. Yeah, and then speaking on the like the community's growth right now, right? So Blaine is, I think Blaine's booming. Um, mm-hmm. Started to really boom before the pandemic. Pandemic slowed it down, but we've got investors in town that, you know, I think stuff is finally getting built. Um, yeah. There's cool ideas out there. Um, so then the fun topic that I like to, to bring up is, you know, we've got this teeter-totter of some sorts where um, we want, you know, we want our restaurant to be busy year-round. Mm-hmm. You know, winter months up here winter months in whatcom county in general to slow down so we want yep. this to be busier um so that requires a bigger population right so yep. we've got a lot of folks to the north in bc but blaine's population i think we've got a couple hundred homes or thousands i, forget, I think thousands of homes slated to be built mm-hmm. in the next couple of years mm-hmm. um so all of a sudden our population like cool that's that's a bigger hiring pool that's a bigger customer base but um which is great right but if you look at it from the farming perspective and the water quality perspective it's really really scary yep. um because all of a sudden we're talking about tenuous mm-hmm. yeah so so like, yeah. population Storm goes water up pollution urbanization goes up water yeah. quality is is not going to get yeah. better you know unless yeah. we really have our finger on the pulse unless we can really solve this and and that's something that Catherine and um, a lot of agencies within Whatcom County are trying to spearhead to really solve yeah. these problems but it's been it's been like that for 20 30 years well right? agencies nonprofits mm-hmm. businesses farms individuals have put in so much work to get oh, the bay man. back open yeah. from where it was Gosh. in the early 90s mm-hmm. to today yeah. but that's going to like you're saying it's going to have to continue there's more work to be done mm-hmm. and there's a lot of that work that it's not like well it's just done you got to continually do yeah. that to keep things going but i i still think this retail portion of it and again it's taken so much work i know to make this a reality mm-hmm. but it's so important to the future of that it's the because suddenly, in the platform well and then people have all 
for people moving here, you have to realize if you're moving to this community, if you're one of the families moving mm. to one of these new homes, this is part of this community. Yeah, yeah. And we have this harbor here. You have this restaurant. Mm. You love it. But if you're living here, you gotta, you're gotta. you on the team then. Yeah, here's yeah. something that, that we're going to try to bring on board. This Catherine's idea that, that, man, we're hoping we can really unleash it here in the next couple of months. But something called a Watershed Wednesday. Mm-hmm. Uh, you want to speak to that? Um, I, well, I don't know if your, your listeners have ever heard of something called Green Drink. Um, It's an international coalition of people who like to drink beer and uh, and just chat about things that are, you know, generally green. And it's apolitical. Um, There's like very rarely an agenda. It can kind of be whatever the community wants it to be. Um, So we've taken um, that idea and we'd like to bring it to the watershed as a watershed Wednesday where we can host um, members of the community, everyone from the community who just wants to come and you know meet their neighbors. What's important to you? Is there anything that we can work on together? Here, yeah. have some oysters. Just mm. a confluence, again, for members of the watershed to connect yeah. and understand each other um, because... This is a this is a fabulous meeting point. It's a fabulous platform. And like you said, like the oysters just really bring everything full circle. They are kind of the embodiment of um, all of the energy and efforts that have been put in in the last thirty years. Um, and that is an incredible success story. That's a model. Um, almost, we need to know how to keep that, maintain yeah. that together. And we're almost out of time. Uh, you almost want to say, and I. I don't, I don't want this to sound snobbish, but it's like, if you're going to move to Blaine, it's a gorgeous community. Mm-hmm. Do it, but don't move there if you aren't serious about protecting its history and culture and protecting its watershed. Mm-hmm. If you aren't serious about doing that, you don't want to be on the team, then don't move to Blaine. Yeah, you, you, you have to be a part of it. And we've got, you know, as exodus of people move north from you know the southern states mm-hmm. to northern Washington, it's, it's, it's those folks, you know, that are moving here and see cheaper homes than they're used to, see mm-hmm. a better view, life on the water, and, and probably a little bit oblivious to the other stuff because guess what? California doesn't have something so unique as right. this, you know, in Southern mm-hmm. Cal. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's, it's probably it's, most people is just they don't know yeah, so rather exactly. than like they don't care. So exactly. They don't know. So that's sort of the approach that we take. It's not that people are intentional. Yeah. It's just that we like to provide the information in a way that is um, palatable and interesting and makes you want to care. Yep. Like we're not here to force anyone or create fear, but once you sort of understand the value and how important it is to the community and how important it is to you and what you can do, then that kind of creates this internal motivation to, to, to do what you just said, which is take care of the thing that you love that yep. brought you here in the first mm-hmm. place. Exactly. So that it's here for generations. Yeah, don't it's come here and ruin the thing yeah. that you came here mm-hmm. for. And I know that's been the same mantra in farming communities that I grew up in on land for a long time, Lake too. Lakefront communities anywhere. Can, oh, what yeah. a quaint community. And then you arrive and do all the things to make it not quaint anymore. Thank you so much for having me here, for chatting on the farming show here at Drayton Harbor Oyster Company. Mark Seymour, Kat Guerra, we appreciate your time this morning. You got it. That Thanks, was awesome. Dylan. Thank you.